do next week when it meets? Well, it'll be a big call if they start to um, talk about winding back the, the $120 billion of uh, bond purchases uh, that they do uh, on a monthly basis. So I would be surprised if they would make that announcement. They may start to indicate uh, a timeline, maybe later this year, depending mm. upon you know how they see it. But they've been quite clear that they've been reluctant to call the end of tapering or the end of quantitative easing well until they've got the economy back on track. And um, so I, should, I would suspect them. They'll still stay pretty stum on it and um, give the economy as much chance as it can to, to accelerate. Toby, thanks very much. Have a good weekend. That's Toby Lawson, the CEO of Society General. You're India. listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Uh, in the markets, uh, stocks slipping a little bit further now in Asia. The SX200 in Australia up down almost half a percent. In Japan, the Nikkei 225 is off a quarter of a percent. Uh, stocks moving the other way in South Korea, though. The Kospi is up about three quarters of a percent. Uh, looks like the Hang Seng is going to open about a quarter of a percent higher in an hour's time. Thanks very much for listening this morning and all this week. There's no money talk on Monday because of the public holiday, but I'll be here anyway from 6 to 10 in the morning on Radio 3 on Monday with a show chock-a-block full of music, chat, requests, so please do join me for that if you can. Money Talk returns on Tuesday with Richard Harris sitting in. Have a great long weekend. Back chat's coming up after the 8.30 news with Hugh Chiverton and Danny Gittings. Let me give you an update on the weather forecast for today. Mainly cloudy, few showers, sunny intervals during the day, uh, maximum temperature of around 32 degrees. And then the outlook is for it to become windier with occasional showers and squally thunderstorms tomorrow and still showery early next week. 29 degrees right now, 81% relative humidity. It's 8.32 with the half-hour news. Here's Samantha Butler. A British parliamentary report on Hong Kong has described a pattern of behaviour from July to December last year that it says was intended to crush dissent. The government here responded, calling the claims inaccurate and misleading. Carolyn Wright reports. During the six months from July to December, the national security law was imposed by Beijing on Hong Kong. But the British report says it's not being used for its original purpose to target just a tiny number of criminals who endanger national security. Rather, it's being used to stifle political opposition, with the mass arrests of pro-democracy figures, including media tycoon Jimmy Lai. The report also says Beijing acted unilaterally on electoral changes here, reversing its promise of progress towards universal suffrage and further hollowing out the Legislative Council. It said Beijing's efforts to enforce patriotism were further extended to oath-taking for civil servants, creating new and arbitrary reasons for dismissal. The government here, meanwhile, responded by saying electoral changes were timely and necessary as anti-China forces had created chaos in LegCo, paralysed the operation of the government and colluded with external forces to undermine Hong Kong. It said no government could turn a blind eye to such dangers. A sociology academic says parents should encourage their children to get vaccinated against COVID-19 because a normal school life will benefit their development. Dr Lee Chung-Wing from Polytechnic University was commenting after the government reduced the eligible age for a BioNTech jab from 16 to 12. Children aged between 12 and 15 can book an appointment from today with injections starting from Monday. Dr Lee said it should help boost vaccine uptake. It's important for parents to encourage their children to do that because we need so-called normal school life to improve the teaching quality. And also it only benefits 
the development of students if you keep having online education, if we cannot have our normal school life. I think the students are paying the price of all the social distancing measures. Britain and the United States have announced plans to deliver coronavirus vaccines to some of the world's poorest countries in the next few weeks. Speaking ahead of the G7 meeting, the British Prime Minister Boris Johnson said the UK would donate 100 million doses over the coming year. Earlier, President Biden promised half a billion BioNTech jabs to fight against the pandemic. It is in all of our interest to have the global economy begin to recover as well. And that won't happen unless we can get this pandemic under control worldwide. That's why... America will be the arsenal of vaccines in our fight against COVID-19, just as America was the arsenal of democracy during World War II. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Hugh Chiverton, your co-host today is Danny Gittings. Danny, good morning to you. Good morning. So we're talking today about the June the 12th, 2019 protests and about solicitors taking silk. Tomorrow is the second anniversary of the anti-extradition bill protests outside the Legislative Council. Police clashed with protesters in Admiralty and Central in the most violent scenes in Hong Kong in decades and further violence and disruption continued until the end of the year, one way or another. This year, netizens have called on Hong Kongers to gather around Causeway Bay and other areas, while police say they're planning to deploy more than a 1,000 officers across the city to handle potential gatherings. What do you think of the police's protests handling back in 2019? What about the protesters' actions? What do you make of what's happened in what happened in the second half of 2019? Could those events have been avoided, or were they inevitable? And two years on, how have things changed? Could they happen all over again? Let us know your thoughts. You can leave your comments on our Facebook page, Backchat and RTHK Radio 3. You can email us, backchat at rthk.hk, or you can call us, and our number is 233-88266, 233-88266, to uh, join the conversation. Joining us now, we have Alan Lung, who's co-convener of the Path of Democracy, Fred Lee, a former lawmaker with the Democratic Party, and we hope to be joined also by uh, Tim Hamlet, uh, a writer at the Hong Kong Free Press and a former associate uh, journalism professor at the Baptist University. Once again, back chat at rthk.hk got a few as ever uh, emails on uh, different topics uh, maybe we'll save the uh, the covid related ones uh, till uh, later uh, but just on other issues leslie who uh, who uh, or les who uh, commented yesterday on the uh, civil service pay freeze says i'm not talking about punishing anyone i'm talking about a reality check mark says trump is credited with the being the one to call out china on trade However, people forget it was the Obama administration that proposed TPP to unify Pacific nations against China by excluding China from TPP. Obviously, Trump came into the White House when there was agreement on the need to address China's unfair trade practices. We should give Obama stroke Biden credit for shining the light on China's wolf warrior tactics. And... uh, MH says, following the death of an 80-plus-year-old man who drowned a few days ago, I wanted to express the shock I had when reading in the South China Morning Post that 16 beaches out of 41 have suspended their lifeguard services. Could we find out why? Have the lifeguards been sacked? On Lama, for example, if you attempt to go into the water, on Loso Xing Beach, you get the warning and the loudspeaker forbids you to enter the water. A lot of people, therefore, prepare to go unguarded beaches where at least they can swim. I see a link between this week's accident and the situation of the Hong Kong beach. Don't you? That's from uh, MH. Thanks very much indeed for that. Backchat.rthk.hk. Uh, Alan Lone, good morning. Morning. 
Um, so we're seeing, we're seeing reports of that. Um, uh, we've been reports suggesting that uh, protesters should gather in Causeway Bay and in uh, Kowloon tomorrow. Do you think there's any realistic chance of um, protests on the second anniversary of June the 12th? Well, I, well, I, I hope the police uh, is better prepared for this sort of thing now. With the NSL, the gathering cannot be very, very, very large. We see. Well, there's no chance of repeating the, uh, you know, the scale in terms of scale. No chance at all. Is the era of mass protests like that that we saw two years ago? Is that era over permanently in Hong Kong? Well, uh, well, we certainly hope so. Uh, that that we need a, a a period of recuperation, and we cannot afford these things to go on forever and forever. Do you, so you you can't imagine, and you, you you don't think there should be large, large protests again. Well, the 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 you know you, you go you go back go back uh, two years. Uh, I think the uh, anti extradition law was certainly a misjudgment by the uh, Hong Kong SAR government to to go ahead with it, and uh, I know that uh, the chief executive tried to withdraw it at some stage, was, but was, wasn't able to. And she said a lot of things in the Hong Kong club to a, a group of uh, 2000, uh, 2047 foundation, and it seems that she wasn't prepared or, or, in, or in control of it. Two years later, I hope she has learned the lesson, and you know, you know she knows how to run, run a, a government machinery now, I hope. How about the police? Did they misjudge the their response? I mean, we have to... We, we look back on these things. It all started on June the 12th. It started with a confrontation and it, um, by protesters and with the police firing beanbag rounds as well, which we, we'd literally never seen things like that in... It seems like that in our, in our adult lives in Hong Kong. W were there misjudgments on that day? Well, as I said, the, 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 the police has different perception of things from the protester. Protesters thought it was a peaceful demonstration. Police certainly have different perception that, you know, this is subversion or, or whatever. Police are police. And we will argue forever who's right and who's wrong for another 50 years, and we may not find the answer. <laughs> was it a turning point in Hong Kong's history? Well, the, the whole incident, and not just not just this event was a turning point that the extradition law was in was sort of pushed forward uh, against you could say against the will of many many people and there was this misjudgment and then all order all hell break loose this is just a part of it that triggered the whole thing that I think a sub subsequent demonstration was even more violent you can blame the blame the uh, Blame the police for beating up youths after they are arrested, but I don't think that this happened in, in uh, June uh, on on uh, on nineteenth of June, or I cannot remember that the the youth were were locked up when and were beaten after they were locked up. Also with us is uh, Fred Lee, former lawmaker of the Democratic Party. Good morning, Mr. Lee. Um, uh, I think yeah. we're going to have to we call, can, call yeah. you back, actually. Uh, Fred Lee? 
No, I think we'd have to re let's uh, try try calling him back and sort it, see if we can we if we can uh, sort out that uh, that line. Um, uh, there's a comment on our Facebook page. This is from uh, Henry. Um, that's uh, Bank Chat on RTHK Radio 3. Henry, uh, who says, uh, It's now clear that the riots developed from anti-extradition bill were planned actions with Jimmy Lai plus some others, including Mark Simons, as leaders. The increase in violence level seems to be broadly planned. In other words, it's a subversive activity with the US behind. SAR and the police were restrained initially, but the rioters continued with their escalation and eventually brutalities like setting people on fire were seen. I think people are now happy that the NSL was passed. Of course, there will still be stubborn people who still want to stir up trouble. Examples, people hoarding bombs, hoarding leaflets that violate the NSL, etc., were reported in the news recently. I don't think the majority wanted it to happen again. Who knows if they themselves could be the next one to be set fire to or be stone thrown to death. Hong Kong cannot afford to be embroiled in troubles again. Already two years have been lost in the riot. We need to catch up fast. Those calling for protests, riots, etc., are trying to destroy Hong Kong. That's uh, from uh, Henry. OK, I think Fred Lee is back with us now. Fred Lee? Yeah, you hear me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, loud and clear. What are your memories of June the 12th? What, was it a turning point? Definitely, this is the turning point, even for, you know, the every lamp, you know, the reputation and her rating, this is really a turning point. The extradition bill, at that, at that day, why the people gather at Hamilton, uh, near the electrical building, because they want to block, you know, the, the, the electrical meeting at that morning, 11 a.m. That's the resumption of the second meeting. And uh, no matter how many people coming out, you know, uh, in the past Sunday, more than a million people, you know, uh, protest against this bill. But the government seems to be really, really totally in, in, you know, unsympathetic and just go ahead with the resumption of the second, read, second reading. So that's why the, it, it's, it's, I think it's not, nobody called them, you know, it's kind of a, uh, their own movement. They want to really come out and stop uh, ESCO to block the legislature going back to the building for meetings. And they actually they succeeded, you know, at that time. But unfortunately, the police reaction is pretty overreact. I think they, they use a lot of tear gas and even the, the bullets. And the first time we ever seen, and uh, and that started the next. But my memory of uh, th th those weeks is that, yes, June of 12th, we saw violence that we've sort of never, se never seen in our lives in, in Hong Kong before, but that was then followed by a period of several weeks of relative calm, and the police were very restrained. Remember when the protesters surrounded um, the police headquarters and the police essentially did nothing, Fred Lee? I mean, surely we can say that uh, it didn't inevitably have to go down into this cycle of violence, even after June the 12th. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, but the main, the main, the crux, the main issue is not in the police. Police just to execute the order, you know, from above, and particularly, I think, from Carrie Lamb. She really didn't listen to the voice of the people. She, she really wanted to go ahead, you know, with, uh, before the end of the summer break of the let's go, you know, is uh, try to rush through the bill. And that really, really angered the, the, the 
Hong Kong people, especially the young people. So, um, and that remains, you know, after two years. Uh, you look at the June 4th, uh, uh, just a couple of days ago, a lot of young people, although they, they're not actually, maybe they're not really, the usual crowd appear in June 4th anniversary candlelight gathering in the Victoria Park, but they came out in different places just to focus, just to, uh, you know, um, tell the people their anger with the, with the present administration, especially Mary Land. I think that's the fundamental and still remains in the heart of the people, especially the young people. You mentioned the June, June the 4th last week. The, the numbers there were tiny, maybe a few hundred compared to um, sort of even small protests. But even small protests before, you would see thousands of people. Now you've just got a couple of hundred. I, I know it's a lot more dangerous, but still you can't say the, the numbers ref, the reflect uh, sort of continuing anger when they're so small. Remind you, so, you know, so uh, conspicuous warning by the police and how heavy... How heavy now the sentences, the prison sentences for illegal assembly, just joining an illegal assembly, now the court will sentence you 40 months in jail, prison, you know, and, and no suspended sentence, just joining the illegal assembly. So I think that there, the people, you know, especially the one, the young people. So several hundred, for me, for me, it's already quite a lot. They, they still take the risk to come out, even after so severe warning. You know, come, come up from the police. All right. Also, also with us is now is uh, Tim Hamlet, uh, writer at the Hong Kong Free Press, former associate uh, journalism professor at the Baptist University. Uh, Tim, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks for, morning. For, for joining us. How important do you think June the, June the 12th was? Because, I mean, there were a number of kind of uh, key events, weren't there? Uh, uh, you know, if things did go kind of relatively quiet and then the bill was withdrawn after this, was it really perhaps July the 1st that was the, was, was the, the significant turning point when things really turned nasty? And that's when uh, that's, that began the sort of long decline for the rest of the year i don't know the the bill wasn't withdrawn it was shelved in a in a very um temporary way or at least it's some people's suspicions i i i really not not sure what what you can say about that i mean the the there weren't, there weren't any confrontations between the police and uh, protesters for several weeks after June the 12th. I, I remember the riot police yeah, disappeared, they, 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 didn't they, they, they from the streets? And you had these civilian yeah, police on yeah. the streets instead. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think um, you know, there, there was impatience among the protesters, but there, there was impatience among the police force as well. They, they did not like being pulled back at all. They were they were spoiling having, to, having they, to sit by when they, the protests yeah, around their headquarters. They, they wanted another go. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I think the or, you know, or, July or, where there was, was to some extent two consenting groups had a go at each other with with them. I mean, did the, were the protesters or a group of the protesters not happy with the with with uh, with the relative peace, and therefore they really ramped it up because it was a kind of quantum leap, wasn't it, on July the first? What happened then? I think some maybe, of them, maybe some was, of them. as you say, maybe it was them who wanted to fight as some, well. Some of them weren't. Yeah, yeah. I, I, there was obviously a, a, a sort of strain among the um, um, among the 
600,000 or so people who participated in various ways, there were obviously some who, who thought that the only thing that was going to get them what they wanted was uh, some kind of street fighting uh, scene that would uh, get the message across to the government that uh, Hong Kong was not going to be a peaceful and happy place and, and, unless some concessions were made. Because two years on, you, you, events blend together and you get sort of impression of an inevitable downward spiral. But those of us who mm. live through the events of the time remember that from it basically was, from was, June the 13th mm. to July the 1st, there was this period of calm, actually, wasn't yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was broken by the protesters um, storming the conveniently empty Lechko on, Ju- on the evening of July the 1st. Well, it was conveniently empty, wasn't it? And, and conveniently undefended in the end. So, um, and indeed, we have the, one of the police officers yeah, involved on record as saying he had um, officers ready to defend Lechko and he doesn't understand why they were... Um, uh, he still doesn't understand why, why they, they were told were, they to withdraw were... by, by headquarters. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's, yeah. Uh, there's some mystery. Of course, we never had a full inquiry into those events. There's some mysteries that are all... Oh, there are lots of mysteries that we will not... Um, in the absence of a full inquiry. Yeah. So, some, someone said to me yesterday, it was it, this was all inevitable. One way or another, it was going to happen, you know, in some form or another, because there, Hong Kong was a tinderbox, because there was all this suppressed, you know, uh, discontent. Uh, and this is it found its outlet in, in this... In this form, and what we saw in, in in 2019, do you do you think do you see it like that, or could it have been otherwise? Could it have been avoided? Well, it could have, it could have been avoided by reasonable concessions, obviously. Okay. Um, mm. But I I don't think there's there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah, you know, I mean, people had in, had asked politely and non-violently at great length in 2014 for for what they wanted, and uh, you know if you refuse when people ask politely. You can't complain if they ask rudely. I think the argument there is it, it could have perhaps been avoided in 2000 and 2019, but it, the suggestion that if it hadn't happened in 2019, it would have happened in 2020 or maybe 2025, it would have happened at some point. There would have been some other trigger, even if you'd handled this sequence of events yeah, better. Yeah, yeah. well, I think it's like Jung Yoxing said, you know, that the, the, the pro-government camp thought they were winning victory after victory, and after each victory, people were more angry. Um, they, they, you know, they were having a lot of success in not providing what was wanted. <laughs> Henry, uh, in that uh, comment on on Facebook uh, and others, have have spoken of the role of uh, uh, what would you call it? outside forces, I guess, and, and money uh, being funneled to one way or another support support the protesters. Um, what's your reading of that? Do you think they're a significant factor? Um, some people say it's complete, this is completely obvious. We'll talk to Alan Long about this as well. Some people say there's very solid evidence. Some people say there's no evidence at all. What's, what do you think, Tim Hamlet? Uh, uh, my my uh, tendency is towards the no evidence at all, In um, I mean, there, there are people who support... Um, civil society movements outside their own countries and uh, the the support is marginal and doesn't conjure up movements which wouldn't exist without it. I think this is, this is an alibi, really. It's an excuse. I mean, people who, who would like to think that uh, if it wasn't for foreign interference, everyone in Hong Kong would be happy and uh, there would be no problems. Alan Lung, do you want to come back on that? Come back on, on uh whether it's, it's funded or not. Yeah. Well, it's, it's certainly it's funded. Okay, you say certainly, so... so. <laughs> there, there, there is... I'm not an intelligence officer, I have no intelligence, but I hear it, hear it from friends, people in the insurance business, and said their subordinates are offered $10,000 for appearing on, on television. 
they will have to be very forward and caught on camera before that it gets that sort of money. You have to ask where that sort of money come from, and and not say, oh, there is no money. It's, if if the funding is cut off, uh, my observation is since Lo Huiling come into Hong Kong, there will be no, there be there's, it's not worth doing it. You know, taking all those risks. But ten thousand dollars a day is a lot of incentive. And there is another comment I I like to make on on whether Carrie Lam is really. Can, can I can I can I can I sorry can I just pin you down before you go on just on, on that so that would that would you'd offer that as your strongest evidence? Amongst other, this is just one source. I hear it from many many sources. Some of the sources is from a foreign journalist, but he, he wasn't able to verify it, and and it wasn't published. Because you yeah, know, I know because single, yeah. single source thing. He cannot verify it. Why, why, why can't they? Why can't anyone verify this? You say it's certain because because their rule is they need double verification. Okay, but you say it's certain, but it's literally you know it's a it's a friend of a friend. No, it's not a friend of a friend. It's a journalist I talked to. Uh, okay, the journalist who had talked to somebody else who yeah. talked to somebody else or, or whatever. Can I can I come in here? Can yeah, I sure, Fred Lee. Yeah. Yeah, of course, I heard a lot of rumors of you know, how much money they pay for the protesters throwing a, 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 a petroleum bomb to uh, make, make your fortune. But, but I don't know. I have no proof. But we do, as you, as you remember, in one day, uh, a press did a, a full article on, uh, on the people from Samjan to Hong Kong to cope at the support of the Hong Kong government. Okay? And they come in buses, and uh, some of them got paid several hundred dollars, and they're taking pictures by the, the, the reporter, you know, about the story, you know, uh, the protesters upon their government, actually, they individually, they're, they have been paid several hundred dollars for them to attend this kind of rally. And that's the story, you know, reported in the, in, in the written press, I still remember. So, but... I'm not really care about this, you know. The, the, the real issue is, you know, why the people, even though you say you, you pay them, okay, how can you pay for one million people to come up to rally? Okay, tell me. Okay, one million. How can you pay? Frankly, from. Yeah, sorry, we, right. we, we have a question from a regular correspondent on Backchat to you, um, Toby. Toby is a serving police officer, um, and Toby says, uh, and the email, who started the riots? He says, for Fred Lee to claim that the police started the trouble by f firing tear gas totally ignores the facts, truth and reality. The truth is that the police responded with forced tear gas only after the rioters began to damage property, create havoc and attack the police. Fred Lee? I'm talking about the June 12th that that yeah. day. Yes. You know, not the not the several months later. You know, well, I, I, I think Toby yeah. is, is is talking about June the 12th as well. He's presumably saying, I mean, there was some violence. I, I never saw it myself, but there was some violence by protesters around the back of Lechko on June the 12th as well. He's saying the police responded and that they they've been misinterpreted their actions on that day. Because you know the police had taken all the. That day is the natural sitting. Really, the D day, you know, you put it in it's the D day for passing the expedition bill. So the people coming out from all over Hong Kong trying to stop the meeting. I, 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 
I would not be laughing now if some of them, you know, going to violent behavior uh, you know, against the law and there's filing in the police detention, right? But now disperse the whole crowd. We use a lot of tear gas and a bullet in the in, 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 in open space. And I'm not there. I'm, I'm sure maybe Toby was there at that moment. Then I'm, I'm, I can only read from the press report and make that judgment. Okay. I, I, I was there. My office is above. And perhaps, Toby, I can put a question back to you. You, you talk about the police responding with tear gas. It wasn't just tear gas, of course, that was used on June the 12th. We saw beanbag bullets, uh, beanbag rounds and rubber bullets. And I think a lot of people, that was what really sort of uh, took us aback because we hadn't seen that, those sort of weapons used in Hong Kong before. So uh, why was it felt necessary to use those particular weapons, I think, is a question we might ask as well. All right, uh, a couple of uh, emails. Uh, Alan says, uh, back chat, uh, uh, question, could there be more mass protests in Hong Kong? Answer, no. The government has shown it will use the Tiananmen response to any public dissent. At least we know where we stand now. A totalitarian government that uses the words democracy and one country, two systems, but makes it a lie. Your pro-government guests do what they always do, ignore the reasons for the protests, ignore the police violence that made it all worse, make up insane conspiracies about colour revolution. It sickens me. She has returned us to power comes out of the barrel of a gun. That is the take of uh, Alan. Alan, thanks very much indeed. Uh, for that, if you want to uh, comment, uh, please call us on 233-88266. Send us an email. We'll do our best to read it out, backchat at rthk.hk, or comment on our Facebook page. Everyone can see the comments there, backchat on rthk uh, radio 3. We're going to take a break now for the news at 9, uh, continue the discussion. Uh, say goodbye for the moment to uh, Fred Lee. Thank you very much indeed, former lawmaker with the Democratic Party. Alan Leung and Tim Hamlet staying with us. We're also going to be joined by um, Alan Leung. Remember him? Uh, chairman of the Civic Party. <laughs> and uh, Two Alan Lung's on the same programme. Yeah, this is a Leong, as it were, um, uh, talking about uh, solicitors taking silk. The weather, sunny intervals and a few showers. Temperatures up to about 32 degrees. There will uh, be thunderstorms tomorrow. 29 Celsius now. Relative humidity is at 82%. It denies accusations of human rights abuses there. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. Friday morning on Backchat with Danny Gittings and uh, me, Hugh Chiverson. We're talking about uh, June the 12th, uh, 2019, looking at the uh, uh, the protests uh, uh, that uh, happened then and what happened subsequently and where we are today. We have with us now uh, Alan Lung, who's co-convener of the uh, group Path of Democracy, and Tim Hamlet, a writer now at uh, Hong Kong Free Press and former associate journalism professor at the Baptist University. Fred Lee was also with us in the first part of the programme. Later, we're going to be talking about the issue of uh, uh, who can be an SC, a senior counsel, uh, uh, formerly a, a, a Queen's counsel. Uh, the Secretary for Justice has uh, proposed uh, a plan that legal officers uh, in her department uh, and other uh, solicitors can can uh, uh, take uh, silk. Uh, we'll be hearing about uh, that from uh, Alan Leung. Uh, if you want to join in, please, we want to hear from you. Backchat at rthk.hk is our email address, or you can comment on our Facebook page, like TC, who says the event of 12th of June 2019 was the beginning of everything that followed. It was less about the extradition bill, but more about how the government chose to react. I think this is a deliberate ploy to shift the attention from the political miscalculation of the Carrie Lam administration to the confrontation between police and protesters. It's also been my view that the government refuses to conduct a commission of inquiry because the police was given a carte blanche on putting down the protest on that day. 
Most importantly, the 2019 protests were seen as an extension of the 2014 protests as there was no reconciliation in the community. The temperature of the protests has risen considerably in five years. While it's a low point of opposition in Hong Kong now, but all it takes is another unpopular policy from the government for another confrontation to erupt. That's uh, from uh, TC. Vic says 2019 protesters very organised and the government and police caught off guard. 2021, government and police too prepared and protesters trying to stay relevant. Either way, Hong Kong lost out. Too late for finger pointing. Hope the Hong Kong spirit and better sense prevails in the long term. Uh, that's from uh, Vic. Matthew says, responding to uh, Henry's uh, comment on Facebook, Henry is operating in a fact-free zone, as usual, with his various claims today. But, of course, that is standard practice in CCP propaganda because the truth does not help underpin the continuation of their one-party dictatorship. One of the favourites for people like Henry is claiming with absolutely no supporting facts whatsoever that the old man was set on fire by protesters. This was a shocking crime which should be punished. However, what is more shocking is that almost two years later, this horrible crime has not been solved. How could this be with so many witnesses, video footage, CCTV cameras and media coverage? Perhaps Toby or one of the many other police officers listening could help us understand why Asia's finest have not arrested or identified a single suspect. Seems really odd. Are the police still trying to find out who did it? By the way, once again, An Lung has proved himself a joke. Is that the best we can do? That's uh, from uh, Matthew. MT says, uh, mention all groups. In your introduction to the June the 12th, 2019 protest, you failed to mention one very significant group. This group was the rioters. That's uh, from uh, MT. Uh, OK, and a bunch more. Excuse me while I just uh, open them. Um, Toby says, uh, Danny, of course we escalated our use of legitimate force with beanbags, etc. after the use of tear gas. No one is denying that. It was done in response to intense violence by the rioters. That's from uh, Toby. Um, Alan says, uh, Ananung says it's certain that payments were made, $10,000 a day. He has exactly as much evidence as Trump had that the 2020 election was stolen. He's just repeating stories that started with CY back in 2014. They just quote each other over and over. Then they use the fact that people are telling them these same stories as proof. It's an absurd xenophobic conspiracy theory. I was in the June 2019 march, as were two million other Hong Kongers. No one paid us. I am not a CIA agent, surprising as it may be, despite Junius Ho et al. deem any white face to be a proof of CIA subversion. Uh, in Hong Kong. That's uh, from uh, Alan. And uh, JS says, what on earth is Tim Hamlet on about? Following the police response to rioting at Legco on June the 12th, the police maintained a low profile, yet Tim Hamlet claims the police wanted to have another go. How on earth would he know that? That's pure conjecture and shows his prejudice. Cast your mind back to that period, you will recall how the protest movement was ripped into, whipped into a frenzy by a propaganda campaign being disseminated over social and mainstream media, while pro-dem politicians did nothing to calm the mood. Backchat, why are you stirring up these memories? It's time for us to move on and focus on livelihood issues uh, in Hong Kong. That's from JS. Uh, Tim Hamlet, perhaps you'd like to respond both on you specifically, but also, sh should we be doing this show on Backchat today, or should we, as um, our listener says, be moving on? Oh, well, I, <laughs> I mean, it's not for me to say whether you should do, do the topic. As a guest, you may have an opinion. Um, as, as far as as me is concerned, I, I have a surprising number of police friends. I don't make these things up. Um, are we stirring things up again? I don't. I, I, th I think um, 
the government would like people to forget everything that happened in the last two years, except possibly SARS, uh, uh, COVID, rather. But um, I, th- I think listeners expect to be informed about the past as well as the present and the future, and uh, it's a significant landmark. Uh, and obviously some people still feel quite strongly about the way it's interpreted. Uh, Alan Lowe? I, I was asking the same question too. Why are you doing this show? Do, do, you, think, do you think it's inappropriate? The, no, I, 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 I tend to agree with uh, Tim Hamlet, but you, you haven't defined it properly. Uh, are you trying to find a resolution? Do you want people to look at the past and look at how we want to deal with the future? That is the, you know, if you define it carefully, I know better how to, to you know, respond. But it seems you're, you're digging into why why the police did it, why those are really in a, a minor minor sort of cycle in the event of things. The thing was, my, my understanding was, you know, I, I tried to make a comment earlier, was uh, Carolam did, did try to stop it on, uh, on uh, 19th of, of, of June when, when it was, or when there was a million people on the street. But she wasn't able to. There was, I mean, there is this this period of time that she was not in control, and she said it quite quite clearly that in in the this Hong Kong cops conversation that she was not in control. If of she's the not in oh not in control of the police, you're saying that yep. she, she's not yep. in control of the police. So that you... she, well, she's not. She doesn't know, know what she's doing either by pushing this bill. This is really a misjudgment, and a mistake was made. And you know, we suffered. So, you know, I, I, I go down. I, I must go down in response to whoever who, who think I'm an idiot. <laughs> I, I, I go down. I go down the record in saying I, we were in Beijing in, on uh, May 17th. Uh, this was before all hell break, break loose. The government tabled the bill already. I think in April we were in Beijing talking to uh, you know amongst other people the. Uh, they are walking of the, uh, you know, this basic law committee. My impression was they, they know nothing about this. They don't, they don't understand the bill. They don't know why it's doing it. So it's not from the, from a need from, from the, it was not from a need of law reform from the Beijing academics that, that we know. So why was this pushed forward? Why, 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 why did we push, you know, make, sort of creating just such a big hammer? For a for a sort of murder case uh, of of this uh, this uh, girl in Taiwan, why it, did it happen? Why why Carrie Lam did it? So this Ke- is a this is a mystery that we have to solve eventually. Carrie even Lam- now we even now we don't have a, have a, have a, a sort of a, a, a commission of inquiry. Carrie Lam made a huge mistake, and you referred to her private speech, which got leaked, where she talked actually about the time of being unforgivable. And if we cast our minds back to 2019, it was widely assumed that she would be gone in, in a matter of months. And yet um, she's still here, and we're hearing stories that she, she may be here for another five years. And what, what happened? Why, why, why didn't she resign after um, such a huge mistake? And how, how is she sort of so rehabilitated I, I, she can I, stay on? I, I think she was, was, she was thinking of resigning. From, from she was really de- dejected. I look at some of the article I, I wrote in Xintao and, and and I said she was really dejected and she lost her spirit and somehow she pick, pick up pick her up again and she's now going towards a second term I think. I think really 
from Beijing's point of view, do you have an alternative? I, I, I mean, we keep blaming others. We keep blaming Beijing. We keep blaming foreign forces for, you know, stirring up trouble or shit in Hong Kong. The truth is, after 1997, we don't know how to run ourselves. And this is the real question we have to ask. You say from Beijing's point of view, do you have an alternative? There is an alternative. He was chief executive before, and he's made it oh. very clear that he oh. wants to be chief executive oh. again. Why, why, why don't they just do, choose do him? Do you want, really want to go there, Danny? <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll be discussing this on many more back chats no, over the no coming comment, months. No comment. Why, 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 why no comment, Alan? Well, you, you have to ask yourself you know, whether... Whether uh, CY is a more suitable person or Carol Lam is a more suitable person, or do you prefer Regina Yu? Okay, here's a comment from MT uh, who says, When will the pro democracy camp admit to themselves? that their decision to ride the back of the protesters and not to condemn the riots at any point was a huge misjudgment and led to the democratic process being reverted back to 1997, if not pre-1997 status. The police were the very public face of a government that was poorly led and is still poorly led at the senior levels of government where the changes are needed. That's from uh, MT. I, I absolutely agree with that Tim, Tim Hamlet, is there some truth in that, that the... Um, the, the pro-democracy camp—they weren't kind of natural rioters. They weren't—they weren't inclined to, to smash up uh, the legislative council, but somehow they found themselves being tagged with that, and they didn't put up a fight. And they refused to condemn the violence. And 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 they've lost everything. Well, I th I th it's, uh, it's and we've lost everything. The people of Hong Kong it lost everything. It was, uh, it was difficult for them. Um, I think they they but it basically was, okay, but they got felt, it wrong. You know, do, you that, think, that, do you think in the end they got it wrong? Well, you, you know, it was this legendary story of the person who I think it was in the French Revolution who was trundling down the street in the wake of a crowd, and he said, "I'm I'm their leader. I have to go with them." You know, they, if if the Democratic Party was not in tune with the people who were making the running, then they would have become irrelevant even quicker. I mean, I, I think from a Point of view of a democratic politician in the circumstances at the time, it would have been very difficult for them to say that um, they they didn't approve, uh, they they didn't participate in violence, and and they made non-violent noises occasionally. But I, I think uh, they I, thought they were in danger of being left behind, basically. I don't know. It certainly demonstrated a lack of courage, courage, a lack of sort of courage to do the right thing, to separate themselves from the radical groups they should have done it and they have underestimated sort of Beijing's uh, 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 you call it you can call it, call it a, a phobia of this separation separation force whether this perception is right or, or, or wrong I mean you cannot live in a cocoon and ignore the world and ignore Beijing I mean they have to look wider and look at the, you know the, the, the the practical aspect of things, what the Germans call real politics, and the consequences of their action, and they, they have they have mis misjudged, and they have given up the opportunity. And in future, the you know, Democratic Party is not even talking about in this very very bad circumstances. They are talking about not not participating in the, in the ele election, forthcoming election, and then giving everything up. Right, and this is ridiculous. Well, I, no. <laughs> 
Uh, I think you're, you're, you're positing a choice which was not there. They, they were never invited to participate. The, the, the democratic camp was vigorously boycotted by the government for years before the question of violence came up. And you're, you're saying that they should have taken a path which was not there and was not open. And the, the, one of the reasons, obviously, why they felt that they had to cling or, or at least not dissociate themselves from uh, the, the, the people who were protesting in the streets was that the, in LegCo they were treated as a set of pariahs and anything that they proposed would be opposed because they proposed it, never, never mind about whether it was a good idea or not. I mean, the, the, the government now says, oh, well, it would have been nice if, if, if they had participated, but uh, if they participated, they were ignored. I, I would quote a, a sort of almost an outsider, Richard Bush, a former, uh, uh, for, uh, now Brooklyn Institute, former uh, Taiwan, Taiwan uh, U.S. representative in Taiwan. She said the hardliners in the, he said the hardliners in amongst the democratic camps misjudged. I mean, you're talking about the democratic camp as a, as a as a unified thing, unified unit. But it's not the case. The hardliners won, and the soft and the softliners, such as the current leader of the democratic party, wasn't able to 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 move things at that time. And that was that was the the, the tragic. And and I mean, it's not just the Hong Kong ICR government should learn. Everyone has to learn how to run our own affairs. In the, under the circumstances that we have a new sovereign government, we are now in the middle of a geopolitic things. Every step affects, you know, not just us. It affects Beijing's interests and American interests as well. I think the, you know, this, this European uh, uh, parliament thing, I think that the way I heard it, Actually, directly, directly from the uh, from the uh, from the uh, head of European Union in Hong Kong. And what all they want is is for Beijing to be softer on Hong Kong. And why is it not going coming come coming through to Beijing and to Hong Kong? I just want Beijing to be softer. And now, now, why are we still still pushing the hotline, arresting all those people and heavy sentences? You may should you should ask Theresa. Theresa. I mean, the host should ask Theresa in the next 15 minutes or something. <laughs> uh, well, not Theresa. We'd be very happy to have uh, Secretary for Justice on to ask her, but I don't we, we don't have the opportunity. Uh, uh, Alan Lung, many thanks for, for joining us. Thank you very much indeed once again. Uh, Alan Lung, uh, uh, co-convener of the uh, Path of Democracy, that's L-U-N-G. Uh, many thanks to uh, Tim Hamlet, writer at uh, the Hong Kong uh, Free Press. Thank you very much indeed, uh, both for uh, joining us and uh, Fred Lee in the first part of the uh, programme as well. Any more uh, comments? Oh, yeah, OK, a whole load more comments uh, on that uh, topic. Uh, let's see if I can uh, just uh, get through them. Uh, Toby says, Hugh, Danny, without revealing secrets, if there was no funding of the protests, how is it that the police managed to successfully freeze some $70 million used to finance the protests? And this is linked to a story. It must be remembered this evidence will eventually be heard in court, most likely in the High Court. As anyone knows, getting a court date in the High Court will take time. Uh, okay. Um, good. 
to know you're not prejudging that, Toby. Jay says, if we look at the past, if CY and Carrie Lau had a second or third interview on the television with the students and it attended to what the people were asking, we probably wouldn't have had the subsequent rallies and protests. And how can you sit on the radio and say Carrie Lam made a mistake, her actions have affected all of us? Uh, that's from uh, Jay. Uh, uh, Robbie says, uh, it's uh, how amazing that some people still believe that no foreign funds were involved in the 2019 riots when there is so much hard evidence to the contrary. It still continues. Uh, it, what is the hard evidence? Honestly, Robbie, t t t tell me the hard evidence. Uh, in the American Innovation and Competition Act, shortly before the U.S. Senate, an amount of $10 million has been hidden away within the bill, quote, to promote democracy in Hong Kong and imposing sanctions on China. That's uh, from uh, Robbie. Uh, uh, Bowen says, if the pandems were to condemn the radical protesters in 2019, they must in the same breath condemn the authorities equally, if not more strongly. Not to do that would have been morally unforgivable. In any case, some pandems, including Anson Chan, did condemn the violence. And uh, Jonathan says, I don't, what I don't understand is why the police won't come clean about what happened in 2019. Not that hard to apologise. Instead, they kept blaming the whole thing on a political problem, when in reality they had turned it into a police problem as well. Allusions to equivalent policing in other jurisdictions just made them look worse. There is a global police problem. On the issue of taking silk, yes, that seems, sounds good. We should probably consider fusing the barrister and solicitor professions. I, for one, look forward to the prospect of being able to take silk as a solicitor. Also, if it saves taxpayers money, from asking UK criminal barristers to come over and prosecute Annex 3 laws. Uh, Bowen says, on the issue of um, the, uh, the uh, Senior Council for Solicitors, um, at a time when the international community is carefully monitoring Hong Kong to see if its legal system can, can continue to be trusted, it seems counterintuitive to make changes which can sow seeds of doubt in people's minds. One major criterion of the UK and other common law jurisdictions in deciding whether they, whether they will continue to send judges to the Court of Final Appeal uh, must be whether our legal system operates in accordance with the basic norms of the common law system. A strong and independent bar can capable of resisting pressure from the powers that be, is one of the prerequisites essential to the maintenance of these norms. Extending the title of SC to solicitors working in the DAOJ only, and even more curiously, only when they remain in the employ of the government, could be seen as the thin end of the wedge in weakening the status and eventually the substance of an independent bar. The Hong Kong bar might have upset the authorities in the past by expressing certain opinions, but that it is capable of doing that is exactly the kind of evidence the international community will look for as evidence of a mature and healthy legal profession. Meddling with issues like entitlement to its senior rank and hence its structure at such a sensitive time and for reasons of such a peripheral nature as temporary personal gratification is insupportable. That's from Bowen. And moving on to our second topic, uh, the subject of Bowen's email there. Proposals from the Secretary for Justice, Theresa Cheng, that uh, the title of senior counsel in Hong Kong, which has always only been conferred on barristers, um, uh, the pool should be expanded. So uh, <coughs> government lawyers working in the Department of Justice, um, uh, some of whom are solicitors, I mean, of course, uh, barristers working in Department of Justice already eligible for this title, but uh, government lawyers working in the Department of Justice, if they are solicitors, would also become eligible for this title, which would be the first time, uh, if this proposal uh, is implemented, be the first time that you would ever have any solicitors becoming um, senior councils and the uh, bar said that uh, is an issue that needs to be studied very carefully indeed. Uh, joining us is a, a former uh, chair of the bar association, also uh, a senior counsel himself and uh, civic party chairman Alan Leung. Uh, good morning, Alan Leung. Good morning. So, what, what's your what's your own instinct about this proposal from the, uh, the secretary for justice? It doesn't make sense. 
Uh, I, I think uh, probably the Supreme for Justice is uh, worried about uh, the numerous resignations from the senior ranks of uh, uh, law officers serving in the DOJ. Uh, you remember that we have uh, David Leung, uh, SC, the DPP, uh, resigning, and then followed by Martin Hui, SC, who, who is deputy DPP, etc. Uh, and I think this is an attempt for the Secretary for Justice to uh, try to give those who remain in the department uh, to uh, to serve uh, a, a a sort of That's a very. It's a, I mean, you you almost sound to be saying there that she's not going far enough, and so if if she says okay, they can keep the title after they they leave the DOJ. Would would her proposal be fine then? Because if that's your only objection, um, well, that is not not my objection. That is my argument about how illogical and irrational the Secretary for Justice has been. Uh, may I just make also uh, two or three other points? Uh, you must know that uh, in Hong Kong, since about, I think, uh, five, six years ago, uh, solicitors who are sufficiently qualified can apply for higher rights of audience in our courts. Uh, and they will be vetted for their competence and ability, etc. So, well, uh, that is one way that... Um, that uh, uh, solicitors working with the DOJ could go for if they really want to be recognized as just one of the 100 senior counsel. Another point which should not be missed is that uh, solicitors working with the DOJ, they do not need 
prerequisite for them to put in their application for senior counsel. So they are already made an exception under the legal petitioner's ordinance. In fact, the recent appointee, Ms. Uh, Bin Chi Lam, uh, only became a barrister uh, for about a year before her appointment as SC, while she had has already been working with DOJ for, who knows, about 20 years. So that is, again, a route that is uh, already making exception for solicitors working with the Department of Justice. So what uh, uh, Theresa Chang SC is proposing may, may be best encapsulated uh, by... Uh, likening that to uh, someone who wants to be Superman, uh, naming himself or herself Superman. But that uh, <laughs> that naming exercise does not make him the real Superman, you see. So this is uh, really the irrationality and illogicality that I'm trying to point out. And that would uh, also... Uh, I agree with the bar circular saying that uh, this could have an immense impact on uh, the way that our legal profession is organized in Hong Kong. Okay. Uh, is that meant to be a title deflation? Is it meant to be flooding Hong Kong with uh, uh, senior counsel uh, who are not up to the standard that we used to uh, observe? Okay, well, uh, Alan Lung, thanks very much. I presume the uh, Superman thing has nothing to do with Paul Chair. Um, uh, Boris, in an email, says, an independent bar is a good thing, but an independent legal profession is more than an independent bar. The legal profession in Hong Kong should be fused to reduce costs, and government shouldn't take any actions to reinforce an anachronistic division and labelling scheme to enable lawyers to charge higher fees and so reduce access to justice. Legal fees in Hong Kong are already obscenely high. The government should be taken considered actions to increase competition and reduce fees. That's from uh, Boris. Thank you very much indeed. Mr Lung, thank you very much indeed for, for joining us, uh, Civic Party uh, Chairman. Uh, JS says, ask Tim Hamlet, why is he such an apologist for the rioters and their violent assault on Hong Kong's law and order? Why is he not condemning the lawlessness? Uh, Alan says, uh, it's all the golden oldies today, condemn the violence. Ask that pompous Alan Lung when he or the DAB will condemn the violence of the police. Democrats did not lead the violence. They had no power to stop it. Since 2014, the government had made practice of decapitating the protest movement by locking up the leaders and created one that had no central leadership with no one to negotiate with. Democrats had no control of it. That is uh, from uh, Alan. And Emery says, on 2019, the blame game yet again. Conjecture, few facts. The majority of protesters were appalled when a minority turned to violence. Never again, please. That's from uh, Emery's. Thanks very much indeed. For that, a few quick comments are, are COVID-related uh, before we leave you. Uh, Paisley says, Hong Kong and Shanghai hotels, uh, Peninsula, have been criticised by some people for pressuring staff to get vaccinated. However, I believe the criticism is unjustified. Most hotel staff have guest-facing roles and hence should be fully vaccinated to both protect their customers as well as themselves. The same principle applies to a whole host of other workers who have regular face-to-face -face interactions with the public. As an aside, I read this morning that Goldman Sachs yesterday forced all its staff to report their vaccination status. 
It's also worth pointing out that last December, the U.S. Equal Opportunities Opportunity Commission clarified that American companies can bar their employees from the workplace if they refuse to be vaccinated, subject to religious and medical exemptions. That is uh, from uh, Paisley. Uh, many thanks for that. And uh, just on our earlier topic, uh, TC says uh, on Facebook, among other things, the Commission of Inquiry would answer two things. Which member of Hong Kong Police Force Top Brass was responsible for the decision taken on June the 12th? This would exonerate many officers who didn't do anything wrong. And second, what was the background of the protesters? Were they given money to protest? That's from TC. Finally, a couple of uh, comments uh, back on COVID, uh, Bob says, back earlier in the year when the government vaccine promotion campaign swung into action, I brought the story, drank the Kool-Aid and signed up at the earliest opportunity. My second dose was over two months ago. Silly me, I believe the government's story that being vaccinated will be on the path to a more normal existence. But I was lied to, as it now turns out that being vaccinated is no guarantee and we have the scared of their shadow health experts now requiring that I do an antibody test if I wish to avoid quarantining on returning to Hong Kong from anywhere. I was lied to. And uh, Sean Sheep says, Hi, I was just wondering why schools are at still half day. Surely if the kids can survive a half day together, they can have a whole day. Maybe the scientific evidence says three to four hours is the limit for young people to be together before they potentially spread COVID. I don't know. Seems a bit illogical to me. I have no time to listen to your show, so I have no idea if you've broached this subject. Maybe you could have a chat about this. Uh, uh, that's uh, from uh, Sean. Well, uh, Tuesday, we're going to be uh, returning to the subject of uh, COVID, Matthew never fear um so uh, uh, sean uh, tune in then or, or you can always of course listen back as well uh, our uh, our podcast, programs yes. are available yeah uh, for podcast and uh, on facebook. Uh, and on facebook uh, as well of course uh, anytime you can catch <laughs> our wisdom you can't escape it uh, thank you very much indeed. Uh, Danny, as I say, we'll be back on Tuesday, leaving you now with the weather, sunny intervals and a few showers. Temperatures up to about 32 degrees. Now look windier with occasional showers and squally thunderstorms tomorrow. 29 Celsius now, relative humidity is at 78%. I smoked for over 30 years. Ten years ago, my doctor said I had chronic obstructive pulmonary disease with just one third of lung function left. Now I have to use oxygen all the time to help me breathe. I am easily exhausted. We used to travel. Now I have to carry portable oxygen when I go out. I wish I had quit earlier. Quit now. Call one eight three three one eight three. Nine thirty five. The news with Samantha Butler. A sociology academic says parents should encourage their children to get vaccinated against COVID-19 because a normal school life will be...